Hi, and welcome to Screens in Focus podcast, where we share and connect as we spotlight our favorite shows and movies. I'm Brittany. I'm Diana. And this is episode three. Today, we will be reviewing season one, episodes five and six of The Walking Dead with the lens of guilt. Hey, Brittany, how are you doing today? I'm doing as well as I can during tax season. How about you, Diana? <laughs> I'm doing okay, too. <laughs> okay, let's give a recap. Episode five, Wildfire. Basically, Rick continues reaching out to Morgan every day at noon, telling him that the city is not safe, and he tries to update him. Amy finally turns, Andrea shoots her. It's really sad. They find out Jim has been bitten. Mm -hmm. So Shane and Rick go back and forth on whether or not to go to the CDC to see if anyone's there working on a cure. They finally decide to go, but Jim can't take the ride. It's too painful for him, so they leave him behind to die. We are introduced to Jenner at the CDC. He is the last man standing there. And it's been 63 days since the outbreak with no progress at all. And when Rick and the group arrive, Rick pleads with him through the video camera and Jenner finally opens the door for them. Episode 6, TS-19. So the episode opens with a flashback of Shane visiting a comatose Rick. Chaos erupts and guns are fired and the military take over and shoot people and the walkers. Shane attempts to carry Rick out but can't. He listens for a heartbeat and can't find one so he leaves. But not before barricading the door. In present time, Rick and the group make it to the CDC and meet scientist Dr. Edwin Jenner. He gives them food, wine, showers, and a warm bed. And most are pretty happy, but Shane is drunk and sulking. And Andrea is in despair over the loss of her sister. Shane finds Lori and attempts to rape her but she scratches him and pushes him away. Next morning, they ask Jenner for more answers. He tells them what he learned from test subject 19, who happened to be his wife and was bit and infected. He explains the infection kills the brain, but not the brainstem, which resurrects the body. Dale notices a clock that is counting down and asks what happens at zero. Jenner says basement generators run out of fuel, then decontamination occurs, which means the place will blow up. Rick yells to everyone to prepare to leave as the emergency horns start to blare. Jenner says it's no use as he closes the lab door. Jenner tells them there is no hope and they can die there together with no pain. But Rick says there is hope. He convinces Jenner to open the door, but not before whispering something in Rick's ear. Jackie stays with Jenner to die in the lab Andrea decides to say two, which prompts Dale to stay with her, but in the end, it makes Andrea change her mind. The group makes several attempts to break out and finally do it with the help of a grenade. Everyone takes cover, and the explosion occurs. The whole building erupts. They are all shaken, but start their cars and drive off in a caravan. Okay, so we are moving on to our theme, which is guilt. Brittany, where did you see guilt in the episodes? I think one of the most blaringly obvious parts of guilt in these episodes is Lori's guilt mm -hmm. about her affair with Shane. And I think it really drives her to make that decision to go to the CDC to yeah. side with Rick mm -hmm. and to not only show Rick that she's devoted to him, but also herself and publicly in front of the group and in front of Shane. So yeah. I don't know that she would have sided with Rick regardless of this. And it, it makes for compelling TV. But her guilt about being with Shane so quickly and trying to prove that she's so devoted is almost laughable to watch. Like, she has that conversation with Shane right outside their camper. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then Rick comes out 
kind of hears a little bit of their conversation. Right. She immediately says, oh, I was just telling Shane that I think we should go to the CDC. You're right. Let's go. So she kind of did that with a little pettiness in her tone to Shane. I don't know. I think that guilt can sometimes be a driving force in making decisions in any yeah. relationship. I think that if you're making up for something to your significant other, like if you've gotten into a fight and you know that you're in the wrong, you, it's almost like that part where you're trying to get back into the clear and you're stepping on eggshells, you're trying to do everything right. And maybe there are some things that you even let go because you just want them to not be mad at you or you want them to to not to just forgive you and to right. move on. Mm-hmm. And even though Rick doesn't know about Shane and right. Lori, still driving her crazy. It's driving Shane crazy. They both are so conflicted about it. I know that Shane loves his friend, but he also loves Lori. So it's really hard to watch, honestly. It makes me sad that it feels like a performance for her when she is siding with Rick in front of the group. But I know that she wants to be devoted to him, so I think it's okay. But on the flip side of that with Shane, I don't like that he tries to make her feel guilty. He says, how can you treat me like this? And she automatically brings it back to, you are the one who told me my husband died. Do not make me feel like I did something wrong in this. I am taking accountability for, yes, I did sleep with you. Yes, I did that. But you know what? I would have never done it if I knew Mm -hmm. my husband was alive. Mm -hmm. So don't put me in that position. So it gives me another reason to hate Shane. (laughs) <laughs> because he is making, he's playing the victim, although he shares the guilt. Good point, Brittany. I saw guilt with Andrea, and this was really evident when Amy is bitten by the walker and dies. Andrea's right there next to her and taking care of her and caressing her. And um, Dale comes and talks with her, and she talks about how she never made it to Amy's birthday parties. And every year it was college or something else that always got in the way. And and she just never made it past the phone calls. And Amy died on her birthday. So Andrea puts that necklace she got her on her and she won't let anyone near her. I mean, Daryl and the others want to kill her because they know she's a ticking time bomb. But Andrea points the gun at them, says (laughs) no, because she wants her time with her. And her guilt of, of not being there for her all the times that she felt she should have. Even when she turns, I was so worried. I kept thinking, Andrea's going to get bit. She's going to let her bite her. But really, she was just taking her time with her. Yes. And slowly, Amy turns and kind of reaches up to her. And Andrea's still caressing her. And then finally, she shoots her in the head. And even after that, when they go to bury her, she does it on her own. She Mm -hmm. puts her in you know, the grave that they have dug and it's just taking her time with her. And so she just feels so guilty for not spending the time with her that she should have. And I think a lot of people feel that with deaths of their loved ones or their friends. Totally. And so, you know, it's really important to do the things and say the things that you want to say to people when you have the opportunity to say them because you just never know. That's true. And that was a hard part to watch for me too, just because recently like I lost someone and I think that you're right. It is important to say it while they're here, while Mm -hmm. you have that time with them. Because for me, watching that scene with Andrea talking to Amy, Mm -hmm. Amy can't hear her. It was more for Andrea than it was for Amy. Definitely. And that, I feel for Andrea, but that also made me sad. I'm like, you could have said this. And I know that's why she's feeling guilt. That made me feel conflicted because I just, I felt bad for her. But at the same time, I was like, this moment is for you. Like, this is not for Amy at all. Yeah. Amy can't hear this. Sometimes your guilt 
Mm-hmm. is really just you. Amy probably didn't feel that. Maybe she did, maybe she didn't, but it's your guilt and how you feel. That's true. If Amy was here, she'd probably say, you know, you were here for me all the times that you needed to be, but... And she probably didn't focus on that. Yeah. So that's a really good point. I also saw guilt when Dale, he uses it as a tool to get Andrea out of the CDC. Mm-hmm. He knows that she wouldn't want him to die like that. And she cares for him. Yeah. And she is making this decision to stay in the CDC and commit suicide Mm -hmm. along with Jackie and Jenner because she also feels like she has nothing left. And she just wants to, she wants it to be over. She feels like there's no hope anymore either. Dale doesn't believe that. Dale has come to care for her and also Amy. So he's dealing with the loss of Amy as well, but he doesn't want to lose them both. And if that means risking his own life, he's going to do it. But I think he knows that she will change her mind. I think he's really, really counting on it. I think he is. I don't think he was ever planning on dying. That was completely a tool. So even though guilt can be a negative thing, like with Lori and Shane, it can also be used in a positive way. Sometimes I'm guilted into going to certain events by friends or family, but when I get there, I end up having a really good time and I'm happy that I went and I'm happy that I have those memories. So I... I'm just grateful that someone cared enough about me to give me that extra push. And I think that's what happened here with Dale and Andrea. He really has just such a great, patient heart for this. I mean, imagine having three minutes left to convince someone to get out of a building that's about to explode. Yeah. I would be terrified. But he sh- he doesn't show anything on his face except for just concern for Andrea. Mm -hmm. It's also funny because he also told her earlier when she was feeling guilty over Amy, Mm -hmm. he said, death's already sad enough without adding guilt into the mix, right? He told her to not feel guilty and now he's using it against her. So I think that's really funny. (laughs) Go Dale. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so I also Mm -hmm. saw guilt um, with Dr. Jenner. He feels guilty that his wife was bit and died and was a test subject. Feels this because she was brilliant. And I think he even says something to the effect that she was like Einstein. And he feels he's no one. So if he had been the test subject, he feels that she could have come up with a cure or something to have helped the world. Mm -hmm. And I think he feels like a failure. And so he feels deeply guilty about that. And he also made her a promise that he would use her as a test subject. He brings out a picture of her and says that he hopes um, that he did. He tells her he did the best that he could with the time that he had and that he hopes that she is proud of him. And um, and then he mumbles uh, more about time, but it always runs out which is so true. And in both instances, time is the factor. Both people think they have more time. And like I said previously, you just don't know how much time you have. And so, you know, even in my own life, I try really hard. And it is hard because you don't know what the future holds. But I try really hard to make the choices where I won't have any regret. I try and do the things with my family or friends and say the things that I'd like to say, because we just don't know how long we have here. And it reminds me that my friends are always telling me that I'm the person that always gets them together. It doesn't matter which group it is, or if it's family or friends. It's like, oh, Diana, you know, I'm really glad you did this because now we're together. You know, thanks for putting us together. Thanks for having this dinner or making camping reservations or having this party or having a lunch because my family and friends are important 
and I just want to be with people. Totally. So, and not have any regrets. Okay, Brittany. So is there any other things that you noticed while watching the episodes? So <laughs> I have a funny one. Okay. Jenner is talking to V and he says, V, define this. And it just reminds me of the Amazon Alexa commercials so much. <laughs> and I'm thinking, was that created by this time? I don't No, I don't think so. Was Siri created by this time? You know who had it first though? SpongeBob SquarePants with Plankton and his wife Karen. <laughs> Her, his computer wife. I was just cracking up. I know it's supposed. It, these are very, very serious episodes, but yeah. I was just laughing every time you yeah. talked to V because it made me think of Alexa. What's the weather like yeah. today? Yeah, <laughs> it was funny. But on a more serious note, I I honestly didn't like all the Asian jokes coming from Daryl in this episode. It felt like bad writing. It felt like very tone deaf. You know, the first joke, the first time he calls him China Man mm-hmm. is like, it's funny. It's like, oh, ha, 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 whatever. Mm-hmm. But he continues. He says, oh, not you. I want to see how red your face gets. And he keeps calling him China Man. He calls him China Man multiple times in these two episodes. And it really bothers yeah. me. It's so tone deaf. So I think that the writers messed up with that. I know they're in Atlanta and I know that maybe... They're not as diverse there, but they still do have these Asian people and African-American people with them in this group. So I think that for, I don't know, just as an Asian-American, it's very important for me to see representation in our own shows that Mm -hmm. we like. Mm -hmm. And it bothers me. I just don't like that. I love Daryl, but I didn't like that coming from him. I think it was showing his background and there are people like that. I know, but it's excessive and it's just... And I also just don't like how Glenn takes it. Are they friends yet? I don't know. And that's another thing for me. I don't know if I'd bite my tongue during that. I'd probably be like, okay, ha, really funny. Can you come come up with some new content over here? You got any other jokes? But I think it it shows later. They evolve because I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but Mm. I'm pretty sure Dale says something to Merle later on. Mm. Okay. I don't remember that. I'm also just very disappointed with the diversity in this first season because the only Latin American family in this show. They leave mm-hmm. in the first freaking season. Yeah. That's why when Morales shows up later, I'm like, who are you? I don't remember you. I didn't remember him either. So <laughs> very disappointing. And the only other African-American woman, she stays behind to commit suicide mm-hmm. with Jenner. So honestly, mm-hmm. I just felt like it was such a disservice to people of color. You have such a wide audience with these graphic novels. Like, just just make people of color more dynamic. I think it is so important to find relatable people who are from your own background in the shows that you love mm-hmm. so much. Okay, so I want to bring up that Shane is starting to lose it. <laughs> um, so he doesn't have Lori or Carl and isn't the leader and he attempts to try and kill rick in the woods um they go out there and they hear something and they both go off in their own direction and then shane has rick in his line of fire and he's following him and following him and then he lowers his gun and right then dale is right there and says jesus because he totally sees what shane is doing And then Shane kind of gives that smile like, oh, I'm kind of caught and how am I going to get out of this? And he makes, you know, a joke. uh, About reflective vests. Yes, about reflective vests. And it's like, oh, my God. Yeah, that was. You were almost going to, your thought about, you actually thought about shooting your best friend. That's like crazy. 
It kind of reminds me of like a Cain and Abel complex, like the good brother and the bad brother. Yeah. And they, like the jealousy right. comes in and yeah. they, thou shalt not covet thy friend's wife or whatever. <laughs> And I didn't remember that scene. Yeah. So that was crazy. Yeah. But that's the start of it. Because yes. then there's numerous ones that happen, you know, in the next few scenes. Yes. Um, also, really quickly about the resurrection, um, because I kept wondering the time frame of death, because through the seasons, we see different people and we're like, are they going to get up? Are they going to wake up? You know, how long is it? And then Amy died at night. I mean, it could have been in the morning, but it was dark. And then it was daytime when Andrea was with her. So I was like, well, how long has she been dead? When is she going to turn? And um, so Jenner tells them that it can be as little as three minutes and up to eight hours. And that his test subject, which of course was his wife, was two hours, one minute and seven seconds. So I just found that interesting because I didn't remember that. So I was glad to have that information. Yes, to have the clarification. Yeah, totally. So we know how much time we can have before we have to run. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, Brittany, why do you love Rick? I love that he is super corny sometimes. <laughs> I laughed out loud. Jenner says, what do you want? And he says, with the music in the background, a chance. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was super cheesy. Um, but I need some cheese sometimes yeah these two episodes were so sobering to watch i cried i cried multiple times i just felt all of the actors performances i felt Mm -hmm. their anguish their panic their but it was so so heavy i think that like we said before rick provides light to this group Mm -hmm. and i think you need sometimes a little cheesy moment in there to make everyone feel good and inspire and bring back the hope. And I feel this also stems from his own guilt. He didn't want to let down these people. Right. It was his idea to come here. Mm -hmm. And he was very adamant that it would be the right thing to do. So just imagine how guilty he would feel if that door didn't open. Also, imagine how guilty he felt when Jenner started acting weird. And when he, Jenner closed the door on them. Mm Mm-hmm. Rick probably immediately thought, shit, yeah, I was the one who led everyone here, and now we're all going to die. He had to think quick. And yes, he was the one who got them out of it, but he was also the one who brought them there. Yeah, I do love that he can get out of these crazy situations, but I also love that he can bring the cheese. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's funny because my reason for loving Rick is really off of that, because it is his guilt And I think his guilt drives him Mm. um, and brings out his gut instinct and his observation of things. When they were at the CDC initially, everyone panics and wants to leave, but he wonders why the doors are shut. This is before they get into the building. Mm -hmm. And he notices that the camera's moving, and there's just a lot of things that he observes, and he you know, all the walkers are coming. So everybody's panicking, wants to get back in the cars and take off. But he observes so many things that he thinks someone is in there. And so he pleads with that person, you know, let us in, let us in, or we're all going to die. And it does. It let Jenner lets them in. And then later on, when they're trying to escape the CDC, and he <laughs> closes the door, he pleads with Jenner. And he says, Jenner says, there's no hope. 
you know, just die here without any pain. And, you know, Rick is like, no, I got to get these people out. I have to get these people out. And so he goes back and says, you know, you could have left. If you had no hope, you could have left along with everybody else, but you didn't. You stayed here. And that was when he brought up, you know, he made the promise to his wife. And so he said, well, you know, you had a choice and you had a chance. So give my family that choice and that chance. Mm -hmm. And Jenner hears him. And that's when he opens the door and lets him out. So I just love Rick because he just uses everything he can, whether it's guilt um, or his skills of the leader that he is. Totally. Um, and just to move people forward. Definitely. He's a pro. So, Brittany, what are you currently watching? On Netflix, I went on a rampage this week. Oh, you did? <laughs> I did. I watched a lot of movies. I watched When We oh. First Met. It is a funny romantic comedy, and it's about this guy time traveling back in time to the night he meets this girl who okay. he is just in love with and he wants a chance with. And he goes back multiple times, tries to do it different ways, and it just ultimately shows you how... It just shows you that everything happens for a reason and true love always finds its way. So I really like movies like that, even though they're cheesy and there are a million like them, I like which them is too. why you probably <laughs> either watched it or watched something like it. I also watched The Ritual. The actor from Black Mirror, Rafe Spall, is in here. It's He's the actor in White Christmas, if you saw that episode. And it was okay. It's kind of disappointing. I like to watch i really want to find good scary movies and that was just okay so okay. i don't really recommend it honestly okay. i'm happy i watched it just because i like seeing him as the mm -hmm. actor and something else yeah. other than black mirror okay i also watched irreplaceable you it's funny because tara and denise from the walking dead make oh. little appearances in this they're okay. not huge they're just in there for maybe less than a minute but i just laughed because i thought oh my god both of you are in this movie that's so funny and we're talking about the walking dead in our yeah. podcast what a coincidence yeah. but basically this woman she gets diagnosed with cancer. So she's so worried about her fiance after she dies that she tries to find a new girlfriend for him. <laughs> it's actually, yeah. it's really cute. And it's also sad, but I do recommend it. I also watched The Forgot or Forgotten, a Korean thriller. So I did have to watch it in subtitles and I really don't mind because I watch everything in subtitles. Um, I know, so you but, can get all the words. Yes, yeah. but it's really good. I was surprised by it. I was watching it, and I thought the movie had a completely different premise, and then in the middle it took a whole different twist, oh, I and like I just that. thought, mm -hmm. what the, how did it get here? Uh -huh. What? And I just, like, I love that when yeah, movies get I you. Because yeah. whenever I watch a movie, and especially with Jimmy, he can predict what is going to happen. Mm -hmm. And when I can predict it, I like it. But then at the same time, I love it when it surprises yes, me. So I, I really recommend it mm -hmm. if you like foreign films, thrillers, and just to be surprised. Last, I watched Life Partners, which is about these two best friends. One is a lesbian and one is straight, although it's not super important. It's just that the lesbian is all about partying and she just has no direction in her life. And she just keeps making excuses like, oh, I just want to focus on my music. And they basically spend all their time together until the straight best friend gets a boyfriend, eventually fiance, and that's when their lives change. So it's kind of funny seeing this transition from them being best friends like together 24-7, on the phone 24-7, and now they have to adjust and it's so different. So it's it's a silly, cute little movie. Okay. 
And then a TV show, I watched Everything Sucks, and this is all on Netflix, so it's beautiful. Okay. <laughs> it has 90s nostalgia, so it's about these freshmen group of friends, and they're making a sci-fi romance movie in high school. They're in the AV club, and the female lead, she is a closeted lesbian, and she is trying to deal with her feelings and coming out to, like, her dad, and she even dates one of her friends to cover up that she's a lesbian, so it's really cool. I don't identify with being, like, a 90s baby because I grew up as a kid in Mm -hmm. the 90s, Mm -hmm. so this is more for, like, anyone who's born in the 80s and their generation, but I thought that was a really good show. There's only one season, but it's really good. And lastly, I started watching Altered Carbon, which is very sci-fi. It's good. I'm only through episode six. I'll tell you kind of the premise. This guy has been sleeping for 250 years. Mm -hmm. They called bodies sleeves. So you can switch out oh, your sleeve. You just have like your soul part that you can switch into a different body. Oh, that's so weird. Okay. It's really weird. <laughs> it is. It's so weird. It's weirder than anything I've watched lately. I but need I, a new sleeve. But I, <laughs> Don't we all? Oh my gosh. Yes. Which is kind of the cool part because, right. but it's also weird because yeah. you can go into another person's sleeve. People yeah. have copies of themselves if they just want to be the same them, but mm-hmm. just the same youth and whatever. Yeah. Or even being completely different. But this guy, he goes into a different sleeve. In his past life, like, he was a warrior and an assassin and a terrorist, I think. But now he's come back to solve a murder. The murder is really interesting. But now where I'm at in episode six, it's kind of going downhill. But maybe it'll come back up and surprise me. Mm -hmm. I don't know. So I guess I'll have to keep watching. Anyway, what are you watching? What am I watching? I um, finished... Oh, HBO, I finished watching Divorce with... uh, Sarica, Sarica, <laughs> with Sarah Jessica Parker. Sarica, that's my new baby's name. Sarah Jessica Parker. Anyways, I finished watching the first season, and I actually really like it. Um, it definitely deals with divorce and the ups and downs of trying to be amicable and your lawyers getting involved and making some choices with repercussions. So it's good. And let's see what else. Just continuing with my reality TV shows, Top Chef, or Housewives of Beverly Hills. And I just last night saw Last Flag Flying, and it is a good movie. It's well acted. Patriotism, effects of war, um, being in the military, brotherhood, family, friends, um, just sharing your past with somebody. It had good comedic moments. It's worth watching. The first 20 minutes drags a little bit, but it's so that you get to know the characters, but then it just becomes absorbing. And it's, it's just really, I really liked it. I think a lot of people should watch film like this because so many people aren't in the military and haven't experienced Vietnam or World War II or whatever it is. And I feel like movies like this bring it to the forefront because I think as time goes by, you forget what happened, even, you know, the current wars. So, and really just really quickly, it's about three Vietnam vets. It starts in 2003 and um, about their time and they get together because one of the characters played by Steve Carell, his son was in the Iraqi war and is killed. And so he has to go get his body. And so he meets up with um, Brian Cranston's character and Lawrence Fishburne's character. And they all meet together and they go on this road trip to get the body. And they find out things along the way, like he didn't die the way they said he died. And, and then Steve Carell's character doesn't trust the government or the military. And so they wants to take his body back on his own. 
And going through that, it shows you the things that they experienced back in Vietnam mm. and choices that they made, were, which were not good, and how it affected each of them and where they are now. But by them coming together, they get to um, explore their feelings and make things right, which is awesome. So, Okay. Where um, did you rent it? DVD. I did it through Netflix. Oh, okay. Gotcha. So. It was good, though. Cool. I'd recommend it. Cool. So I just want to bring up some more Walking Dead news. Okay. And I don't know if everyone saw this, but there have been a few articles that came out about Lauren Cohan. Yeah. And how she is the new series lead of an ABC pilot. I know. And I don't know if she's going to stay as a guest star or as just a recurring guest or something, because you're not allowed to be a series regular on other shows if you are a series regular on The Walking Dead. So Hmm. I think her future is very bleak. But at the same time, I don't blame her. If they're not paying her what she's worth and they're not giving her the story that she's worth, then she should leave. She's been here for so many seasons and I don't blame her. If she doesn't want to be known as Maggie for the rest of her life, then that's fine. But I really hope she doesn't leave. And I I don't know. I hope they expand her story. And also, we posted a Everything You Need to Know Before Watching Episode 9 article from, I think it's Rolling Stones. And that was really helpful for me to reread because... It showed me that I had no idea what the F was going on in the last couple of episodes before the mid-season finale. Because reading through, I realized, oh, okay, so that was their plan. I never fully understood Rick's plan, ever. Uh, So reading through that episode, I felt a lot of clarity. Mm -hmm. And I feel good about going into watching the next episode for the... The next eight episodes. Yeah. Okay. Um, I forgot that the showrunner Scott Gimple was promoted. And we have a new showrunner, Angela King, um, who was a writer 2011 and co-executive producer since 2013. So, So now she will be the executive producer and showrunner for season nine. So I thought that was interesting because I'm curious to see if the show will change, which I'm sure it will. Yeah. Do we want to talk about what a showrunner is? (laughs) You know what? I've never known what that meant. And I know that seems like a stupid question. Like, oh, it's the person who runs the show. But when I think of any show or movie, I think of writer, director, actors, sound, audio, visual. I'm thinking we have the definition. Diana looked it up. It says the person who has overall creative authority and management responsibility for a television program. Okay, fine. So now he's promoted and he has even more authority than he had before I know both so I'm still confused what so he gets to sit in the writer's room and tell the writers yes or no or tells them what direction he wants them to go in but now he is in charge of the walking dead universe interesting shows so we'll see and I don't like what he's done recently so hopefully he picks it back up you know and looking back at these first episodes i really miss these episodes like i was actually watching the marathon Mm -hmm. last night Mm -hmm. of this current the beginning of this current season and i like it a lot but i really miss the first episode so i miss it's different yeah it's so different but hopefully we can get back to that so okay so any award goes to what do you have as a favorite quote moment or character Brittany? I like when Dale tells Rick, back in the camp when I said Daryl might be right and you shut me down, Mm -hmm. you misunderstood. I would never go along with callously killing a man. I was just going to suggest that we ask Jim what he wants. 
I think this is a great reminder for us to check ourselves and work work on being active, thoughtful listeners. So many times when I'm talking to someone, they are looking at their phone or they interrupt me and I can tell that they were just waiting for me to be done Mm -hmm. with my story or what I was saying. And that means they weren't even really listening, right? right? They took that one part of what I was saying and then they're like, oh, that reminds me of this and I'm going to say this next. And that's fine. I think that's good. Conversations are good. But I think that our society has gotten really bad at listening. I think everyone's stories and thoughts are important. And it's so important to be included in the conversation and to be truly heard. And in this, they didn't even ask Jim what he wanted. They were making this decision for him. And Dale points that out. Dale's Mm -hmm. so good at pointing these things out. So I think that that's a good reminder for us. Yeah, it is. And I like that he brought it up later mm-hmm. because that is so real life. He didn't bring it up at the time, but later on he reminds him, oh, this is what I really wanted you to know from that conversation. Totally. So I thought that was great too. Um, for me, mine is pretty simple. It goes to Carol for washing Rick's pants and finding the grenade and keeping it for this moment when they need to get out of the lockdown CDC building. Boom. Mic drop. <laughs> yes. I also like the part right before that when Carol does say, she says, hey, I have something that might help. Uh-huh. And Shane, you know, this sexist jerk, he says, <laughs> Carol, I don't think a nail file's going to do it. <laughs> well, Heck, you know. what I love is that this is the beginning of the Carol that we know, yes. right? I mean, think about this. She's washing Rick's pants and she finds her grenade and she decides to take it and put it in her stuff. I mm-hmm. mean... She was thinking ahead. I mean, she's being smart. She's, yeah, she is being a good contributor of this group. Yeah. So I love it. (laughs) So thanks for tuning in. We are grateful you tuned in and we hope something we said today resonated with you, gave you a chuckle, some happiness, some positivity, some inspiration. Maybe you'll go watch some of the shows or movies that we've talked about. (laughs) Please subscribe to our podcast and tell a friend we would love more members of our TV club. Rate, review the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher. We need your feedback. We'll be uploading new episodes every Tuesday and next show will be on season two, episodes (laughs) one and two. You can find our blog at the link listed in our description. See you next time. (laughs) Bye.